awesomely blessed for being a part of that. Here and younger. So, but if you have your Bibles, I'd like to go to Isaiah 40 and 31. And I'll be reading some other scriptures. But God has laid something on my heart. 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Sister Kim, that sounds awesome. We've all just, I know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. and His word is forever settled and it's already anointed. We've all heard this passage of scripture. I know that uh, this is one of my wife's favorite scriptures. Uh, it's one of mine because there's a lot of hope and promise uh, of succeeding in this scripture. But I didn't come today to talk about so much about the eagle, uh, the strength of the eagle, or the majesticness of an eagle, or any of that, even though the eagle and its wings are mentioned many times in the Bible. But I want to talk about something that God's laid on my heart, and I don't, y'all know me, I'm, I'm slow. I'm just that old big guy that just kind of wallers around in it. I don't run. And well, Jamie, I can't keep up with you, Brother Nyland. That's all y'all's deal. So you're not going to bother me if you sit and listen. Okay? Because I'm going to have to take this slow. Because Brother Josh Davis, he gave me a lot today. And I want to try, even if I don't get through today, Maybe the pastor let me have another day to finish what God has given me. But there's a lot of things that are said to us as an individual in God's kingdom in this passage of Scripture. I don't have a title, so whatever you want to get done, if you want to put a title on it, that's whatever. I couldn't come up with one. It's just too much for me. But it says, but they that wait upon the Lord. In our lives, we do a lot of waiting on a lot of things. Okay? One of the hardest things for me to do in any aspect of my life is wait. I am not a good waiter. I will wait. And I know we have to wait on things uh, in the natural and the spiritual. But I'm not good at it. But I can plow till I get it. The secret to my waiting is to not take my eyes off of it. 
If I start looking at other things, listening to other voices, I might lose sight and strength and the fortitude to obtain what I've been waiting on. I'm going to throw this in here right quick, and I didn't think of it, but I saw Brother James and I thought of it real quick. Had an accident here a while back. We lost a truck, a trailer, and a 300 and something thousand dollar directional boring machine. Come to find out, we had to fix it on our own. He come to me and asked me, would I try? And I said I would. It's, it was, if you didn't see it wrecked, you won't appreciate the story. Ditch Witch totaled it. The insurance company totaled it. But for unforeseen reasons, it fell back on us and the burden of us to fix it. I was chosen for that task. Now, I said all that just to say this. If I was to listen to every negative employee that's come by me under that shed and said, I can't believe that they are trying to fix that. I can't believe they're throwing good money away to fix something that's just absolutely totaled out. Instead of agreeing, I stood my ground and told my reason. I heard it run the other day. I'm real close to giving it back to them in working order. A lot of people said that'll never happen. I said it would. Well, how do you know? So I've been praying about it. Hard work. Said all I have to say this in the spiritual realm is the same thing. I'm waiting on a lot of things spiritually. I've been waiting on my daughter that just turned 32 years old that knows but just can't get there. I remember a long time ago, Brother Black, I laid my daughter on God's altar when she was young before she ever got married because it was a struggle. She came from a broken home. And I was over here, and they were over there. She'd come to my house and go to church and love it. Saw her stammering lips, seen her baptized in Jesus' name. She's not living for God. But I remember a promise. Kept my eyes on that promise. I'm waiting on that promise. That promise is not going to fail me. I might fail the promise, but the promise ain't going to fail me. So if I wait, if I learn to wait, If I learn to wait upon the Lord, I'm going to renew, or He's going to renew my strength. They shall renew their strength. This is a promise that if I can wait, if I can remove myself from putting my hands on it, and wait on God's timing and God's place and God's perfect touch, on that situation, 
It's going to happen, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, ever. But if I turn the plow, if I take a shortcut, I might get the same result, but it's not going to be as perfect. There's going to be some things that God's going to let me experience because I didn't wait, and that's not going to be good for me. They shall renew their strength. This is a promise if we can wait upon God that he's going to do that. He will. They shall mount up. Now, y'all that know me know that I have to, I got to figure it all out. That's why Brother James came to me to rebuild his machine because I got to figure it out. They shall make their, I took up some definitions, looked them up, and one of them says, they shall make their wings to ascend, to rise up. Another definition says, they shall put forth fresh feathers. I thought about that. Every now and then, through the wear and tear of flight, through the wear and tear of mountains and valleys and scuffles, and every now and then I need some new feathers. The statement, renew their strength, confirms this. The eagle and every, most every other bird, every, every other bird I've ever been associated with, chickens, whatever, even the beautiful peacock goes through what's called a molting stage and renews his feathers, and with them comes his new strength, maybe even in an old age. Now, Sister Vicky will, this may, I don't know, it moved me this Past week, we went to the camp for two or three days. <clears throat> we went out. We called it duck hunting, but there ain't no ducks. But I tell you what we did see. I went squirrel hunting that, that middle of the day, and she texted me, you seeing anything? I said, no. She said, all I see is two big birds. Well, she thought these buzzards. And I did too. That's just what I feel. Well, she's seeing them buzzards. We got out there in that boat, sitting around in them bushes, and there was two eagles, huge eagles. I don't know what they were doing. I don't think they were fighting. I don't know if it was a courting ritual or just playing in the sky. I don't know what they were doing. But they was dipping and diving at one another and just circling around, and it was beautiful. It's something you don't see every day. Never seen one over there yet. And then God gives me this. So, pretty cool, I thought it was. But those those birds were just floating around what seemed to be effortless. But through the renewing of strength comes new life and new vision and new accomplishments and like I said I wrote this down 
maybe in our old age, even in our old age, we can have new things through the renewing of strength. And all of it circles and pertains around waiting. Isaiah 40 and 27. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speaketh, O Israel, my way is hid from thee, from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Jacob's asking God, why don't you see my affliction? You know, one of the hardest things about waiting on spiritual things that you know that God would allow you to have, God knows you may need, why am I having to wait on my beautiful baby? You know, I might not be here to see it, Brother Butch, but I believe in the promise. I believe that I'll see my daughter in heaven because it was promised. Promised in the word, promised in prayer. I just feel it. But why, Sister Hollins, why is he making me wait? One of the hardest things about waiting on things that God provides is I know, and I, I don't believe, I know, that God could speak the word any second, any point in time, and my daughter would come through that door speaking in tongues. And it'd be a settled issue. But I gotta wait. One of the most uh, frustrated is a bad word, but discouraged maybe. Sometimes when you're all alone, he's like, why do I have to wait, Lord? Why, why can't I see that? Why can't I see those things? Why can't I possess it now? Why can't I have my healing now? Why do I have to go through all this and suffer all these treatments or whatever, whatever the, whatever the situation. Why do I have to wait when all you got to do is just speak the word? The waiting more than likely is for our good and somebody else is watching you to see how you handle it. And at the when God chooses to accomplish what you're waiting on, give it to you, it's going to be not only good for you, it's not only going to be good for my daughter, but it's going to be something that the whole world's going to see. That whole, her world is going to see. Okay? So, Jacob is asking, why is my My situation, why is it hid from you, Lord? I wrote this down. Even though our dilemmas are so, we have no proof in the Scriptures or in example, in the flesh or the spiritual, to think that our interests or our conditions are hid or discarded by God. I can't find anywhere in the scripture where there's anything that proves to me 
that God doesn't know about any of our dilemmas or any of our wants or any of our needs, whatever they are. It says that my judgment is passed over from God. I wrote this down. To think my cause is neglected by my God without him noticing it and without doing me justice. In Isaiah 40 and 28 says, Has thou not known, has thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord of the Lord and Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. I wrote some points down that I feel like will help us. The first line in that scripture says, Has thou not known? I've been in this church, this particular body of believers, almost 18 years. If I did my math right, if it's wrong, it's somewhere there close. It's long enough to know by what I've learned, by the preaching and teaching and reading of God's Word. I'm going to throw this in right here. This Bible says to study, to show yourself unashamed. It says to search out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How do you know if I'm teaching right or anybody else standing here is teaching right if you haven't read and studied? If you haven't read, I could get up here and teach any old thing and you couldn't you couldn't amen me or owe me. You you couldn't you couldn't put forth any effort to to experience or to participate in this lesson. But because of the teaching we've had and because of the studies we've had and because of the word we've heard, not only from this scripture, but from people like Sister Bernice, Brother Robert Shudan, all the elders of this church. How do I know God can heal cancer? Because I've heard it from this body of believers. I've seen it in this body of believers. How do I know that God can take a disease in a newborn baby and make it go away? I read it that he would do that, and I've seen and heard in my life testimonies. I've heard Sister Beatsy year after year on that special day. I've heard Sister Emma. I've heard them all. Sister Hollins. Brother Eulis Montpelier. His voice rings in my head almost every day about things that I've seen and heard him teach and testify in those private conversations when he was telling things he saw in dreams and, and in reality. And live to see them come to pass. How do I know? Because of what I've read and what I've heard. And if he's your God that way, he'll be my God that way. My 
my judgment is passed over from God. I thought about this statement, studied it. Jacob saying, my judgment is passed over from God. To think my cause is neglected by my God without him noticing it and without doing me justice. I've heard people say, I, I just don't, God just don't, I, God just don't know, he just ain't, I don't know where God is, he, he just don't hear my prayers, he just, this, that, and the other. What you're saying is, I'm not good at waiting, and I'm blaming it on God. You want justice for your wrongdoing, you want justice for your financial instability, you want justice for your sickness. You want justice for everything that you need. And because God don't do it in your time the way you want to do it, you want to blame God and tell him that uh, my judgment is passed by your desk and you didn't see it. All right. That the everlasting... God's telling, you know, I, I'm Yahweh. One of my names in the word is Yahweh. We want, we want, what we're saying is the attributes of Yahweh uh, is not true. Ought to inspire his affliction, afflicted people without confidence. What we're saying is that Yahweh is not the ever-knowing, almighty, omnipresent, and that he don't care for us. That's what we're saying when we say those kind of statements. God is talking back to Jacob and say, I can't believe that you would think I would not notice your affliction just because I haven't moved at your command. I'm waiting on my my way and my terms. It also says there is no searching of his understanding. Therefore, our cause cannot, all right, as we so wrongly accuse him of escape, of his noticing us, though much of his way is unsearchable. This this got pretty complicated and pretty deep on me, and Pastor, if I get this wrong, just stand up and correct me. There's a whole lot about God I know through the word, through the teaching, through the hearing. But there's probably a whole lot more that I don't understand. Because his ways ain't my way. His time is not my time. His understanding is far greater than anybody in this room. And will always be so until we get there and we, we know him as he is. But on this earth, there's a lot about his ways that's just simply unsearchable. 
You can't find it in the Bible because he reserved it for himself. I've had things I've waited on that I couldn't understand. When finally he gave them to me, I understood fully of why he waited. I'll just throw this in here. The other night, our pastor got up and told about thanking God for selling his house before he ever had a buyer. He said, in 12 hours, am I correct? He signed the dotted line on agreement. Well, guess what old Spank and Sister Vicky done all the way home? We went to thanking God for selling that duck hole over yonder. Now, I'll tell you this. The next day, my realtor called me. He had some cats on the line. I'm like, whoo, man. That's right. Guess what? They never come looked at it. Never heard from them again. I don't have that testimony. Let me tell you the one I do have. I told Sister Vicky on the way to church. Backwater's taking it. There are no ducks. I'd have to go buy ducks to show people ducks. There are no ducks. Had to go get my trailer yesterday. The water's fixing to get under it. I'm trying to sell duck hunting property with no ducks and about 15 feet of water. Got a couple people who's come look. They want to come look in the morning and watch the ducks or in a morning setting, not in the morning, but they want to know when I can meet them in the mornings to watch the ducks fly. Was I going to lie? No, sir. I said, I'll take you anytime you want to, and my Lord, I wished I could show you some ducks. There ain't no ducks. There ain't no ducks on my place. There ain't no ducks on nobody else's place. There ain't no ducks. And the backwater's taking me, okay? That's hard to sell. Sister Vicky says, is that going to hurt our land to sell like that? I said, I don't understand it, baby. I don't understand. God knows that I need to sell that land. God knows Sister Tucker needs to sell that land worse than I do. God knows we ain't got no ducks and we're trying to sell that land. God knows I'm trying to sell that land and backwater's taking it. God knows, God knows. I don't know why God's doing this, but God's got a time, a place, and a man. Did I, did I not tell you that? I don't understand it, but I do understand that my God knows and understands my dilemma. And I do know that he's never been unfaithful to me. Has he made me wait? You bet you. Has he answered? You bet you. Has he not answered? You bet you. Am I changed? No. He's still my God. If rapture comes and I'm still making payments. Waiting. Second, Second Corinthians says, To them that have no might, he increases strength. The Lord's strength is made perfect 
in our weaknesses. In my weakness, God's strength is proven. People watching my dilemma sees the strength that God puts in me, and they ask me, why, why, how can you do that? Because God's strengthening me. I saw a quote this past week, and I, I, it's, it's awesome. Simple, simple. But it made, it just, I had doodads and stammering lips and going down the road. Those that put everything in God's hands shall soon see God's hands in everything. I didn't do for y'all what it did for me. You put everything in God's hands, ain't going to be long you're going to see God's hands in every aspect of your life. I just thought that was good. Isaiah 40 and 30 says, and I'm going to try it, I got to hurry. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. We got a new pastor. He's a young man. He's a proven man. Let's just say he gets up here and for whatever reason he picks you. I'm gonna I'm gonna call on Brother Ray Ray. Picture of health. Good slim. I'd be a fool. He could run backwards on one leg and outrun me in a full sprint. But you know what? The Bible has promised him if he gets chosen for a task, it's a possibility he could utterly fail. It's not the failing. It's the understanding that you might fall and you might fail. But it's the understanding that God promises he's going to let you fall every now and then I've come to this pulpit in all my glory and study and singing a song spirit moving and walk up here and it's just me I I might be doing that today I don't know y'all might tell me that later but didn't feel God like I did when I was studying it. They asked me, was I T? I got to start wearing a jacket more, Pastor, because it gives away the fact that I'm going to teach. I've had at least 10 people ask me, You teaching today? Yeah. I told one of them, Only if the teacher shows up. Because then if he don't show up, it's just motivational speaking. And that's what I believe, and that's what I know. But even in our youth, even in our strength and vigor, and all the studying, and all the praying, and all the things, and all the go get them and attaboys, and bless God, I'm going to see it happen. All the pushing. There's going to be times, church, old or young, you're going to become vulnerable, weak, 
and you're going to utterly fall. He gave us that in his word. But he also gives, oh enemy, when I fall, don't you rejoice against me. Because I'm going to get up. How am I going to get up? I'm going to get up in Christ. Because he gave me the promise that when I fall, not if I fall, but when I fall. You stay in this church long enough and you do something, you sing a song or you get up, read a poem, you get up and pray for somebody, you get up, do some things. Somewhere God's going to allow you. Now, if you don't do nothing, you're probably never going to fall. I'll let that sink in. If you just endure to the end, you're probably going to endure unnoticed. But if you try something enough, you try something enough times, you're going to succeed. God's going to give you some blessings. God's going to give you some attaboys. God's going to give you some souls. You teach a Bible study. You teach enough Bible studies, you're going to see people born under the kingdom of God. It's promised. You teach enough Bible studies, you're going to see it fall on deaf ears. And you can't do nothing about it. You're going to feel like you have utterly failed and you just gave the same Bible study you gave to that family that got the Holy Ghost and they come to church and just bless God, that's all. And you're going to walk away from that one Bible study thinking, I ain't never going to give another. I failed. You didn't fail. I had a school teacher always said, nothing beats a failure than a good try. You don't try nothing, you ain't going to fail. Those men and women that are chosen and handpicked on account of their youth, strength, vigor, their abilities to run, to fight, seemingly to be undestructible. This, this passage of Scripture says some of them is going to utterly fail sometimes. But if we go back to the beginning, Isaiah 40 and 31, but when you fail, if you can just wait upon the Lord, I'm going to close it like this. I'm going to try to hurry. I'm Pentecostal. What are you saying when you tell somebody I'm Pentecostal? Fifty years ago, they knew what that meant. Now, not so much. I got some Baptocostal friends. What are they saying? They have had some sort of Pentecostal experience. Whether it be whatever, I'll leave that up to God. I'm not touching that. I'm Pentecostal in experience, Sister Bernice Hollins, but I'm apostolic I'm apostolic in belief. My lifestyle is an apostolic lifestyle.
Why am I judged so hard when I fall by the world? It's because my apostolic standards are very high. And I hold myself accountable to that. So when we fall and the world knows it, we get judged hard for it because we've judged hard for it. We set the bar. The Word sets the bar. If you're going to be apostolic in life, in your living, in your giving, in your worship, in your prayer life, in your missions given, in participation and being faithful to God, being faithful to this congregation. If you're going to be apostolic every day when you get up and you set forth an apostolic lifestyle every day, when you walk out that door and apostolic, you put a cross on your back. Not only God's cross, but a set of crosshairs on your back. Everybody's watching and waiting for you to fall because your standards are... I don't know how many people I've said, oh, you ain't got to do all that. Maybe not. I believe you do. And if I get there with 18-yard dump truck too much, laugh at me all you want. I'm going to be inside the gate. But if I get there at that gate with a thimble full, not enough, it ain't going to be good. It ain't going to be funny. But be careful when you tell people you're Pentecostal. That's a broad statement nowadays. I know some Trinitarian Pentecostal people. I know some Trinitarian Pentecostal holiness people. A Pentecostal. Well, they're saying they're Pentecostal in experience, but they're not apostolic in lifestyle. They're not apostolic in 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 living, they're not apostolic in giving, they're not apostolic in, in their nature. But they're Pentecostal. When we mount up with wings after we have failed, the part of this scripture that jumped out at me, go mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run. And not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you stand right now, I'm going to get done. No matter what my dilemma is, no matter what my state in my spiritual life is, no matter how I'm standing before God, as long as I'm faithful in my understanding, as long as I'm faithful, and true to the word of God, long as I'm faithful in his righteousness, as long as I stay in line with the blood of Christ and the word of God, and I truly believe in where I stand. And if I can truly look at a situation and kick back and go to battle and say I'm willing to wait for the victory. I'm willing to wait for God to perform the victory. I'm willing to wait for God to perform my need. 
It may not come in the morning. It may not come tomorrow morning. It may not come this year. But if we truly learn to wait and let God disciple some things and let God rearrange some things and let God move our situation, let God touch and bless our situation, then and only then can we stand in true, harmonious victory in God. Sarah and Abraham took things in their own matter. Wouldn't wait on God's promise. The world's still fighting over that decision today. Even though he did finally receive his son, thine only son. The decision to put his hand on that situation has cost the whole world. Your decision to put your hand on your dilemma and your decision outside of God's movement and direction the whole world is going to be affected by it. Everybody's faith in you is going to be affected by it. We all have to walk in faith and learn how to wait upon God's perfect timing and God's perfect move. And until we learn how to do that effectively, in Christ, we're going to struggle. You might make heaven. You might see the goal. You might see the finish line. But you're going to struggle. It's much better to wait on God's design and God's hand and God's time. I'm done. This is time where we're going to take a little break. Uh, get you some water. Shake hands with our visitors. We're going to transition into our 6 o'clock service worship and uh, come back expecting a great move of God at 6 o'clock. Love you and thank you.